So this is the part right of the podcast where usually there's like a thumbnail image and then we have some dope music playing. Underneath us? Uh, straight from the game and then we come into us talking like right about now. Dude, it is absolutely wild how much an ingrown toenail hurts. Like, Oh you... no, you have an ingrown toenail? I think it's like starting to get there. Do you know how to properly clip it? Oh, I, I did. Yeah. Oh, okay. There, there was just one. I actually, so on my pinky toe, uh-huh. my nail is split. So like 80% of it's intact, but the other 20% of it on, on the right side, on the outside, like there, there's like a full cut. So it's almost like I have two nails because they're like that's separated some, at that's the base. They like grow kind of separately. That's some ninja turtle toe shit. I mean, the toe's fine. It's just the, it's just the nail. So, but the thing is, because there's actually like a like a fucking um, Mariana trench in between the two nails, oh. that you that if the twenty percent part grows too long, then it'll just start getting snagged on like socks. Yeah. Or oh, that's the worst feeling. So I always take the twenty percent part and I cut it all the way to the base. So like it doesn't exist. There's supposed to be soothing music that plays under us talking as it as it kind of dies down a bit. That was horrifying, Joey. Also, do you have to are ingrown toenails like a big concern of yours as no. far as like because no. when I got an ingrown toenail, I had to get surgery. What? Yeah. yeah no. And I've never had an ingrown toenail since. Yeah, I'm fine. Okay. I'm not I'm not tripping that much. Jeez. Well, Just so wife who wants to have nicely manicured feet. So much lay for in bed. beautiful disaster piece music. Play video games. Jeez. Like today's game, Hyper Light Drifter. Let me tell you a little bit about Hyper Light Drifter. Tell me about Hyper Light Drifter. Hyper Light Drifter is a game that when it came out... Speaking like, of the mic. Really? I was yeah. kind of on it. No, but you start to fade and then you turn the mix kind of weird. Okay, I'll, I'll try and stay steady. <laughs> Man, the shot for anyone watching is really wide. You can see all the monitors and all the wires. Which I normally Th- this, try is a, this is a behind-the-scenes candid okay, look. Okay, that's fine. you got to watch the video on Patreon. I'm getting off topic. Hyper Light Drifter is a game that when it came out, I was interested in it. I was like, hmm, this feels like something I might like because it, it's almost like d- dark, soulsy, adventure-y, cryptic-y, pretty. But I never took the time to sit down and actually play the game on release. Uh, uh, it, it, like... Never piqued my interest enough to be like, oh, I'm excited for this release day. I feel like that's kind of my where stuff starts to diverge for games. Mm. Games that I'm very excited about, I play on release day. And then there's a bunch of other games that I feel like I might like, but somehow get lost in the shuffle and, and the tedium of like work and television and Dota and Counter Strike. Like they just kind of fall away. And Hyper Light Drifter was one of those games that kind of fell away, and it fell away for years. Um, normally, if there's a game that I think I want to play, especially since we've been doing Garbage Game Club, I've just been like adding it, adding it to some kind of list, whether it be like a Steam wish list or a a, a, a Nintendo Switch eShop wish list, and I'm like, okay, I I know that these games are kind of in my backlog now. And Hyper Light Drifter, I was like, oh. You know, that's right. I kind of did want to play that. Why did I not want to play that? And it and it started to get me to think about why did I why did I not play it? And I think the answer is is that the period of time where Hyper Light Drifter came out was it was a period where I was almost getting sick of the 
indie games. I did air quotes everyone on the audio version. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Where I'm like, man, all these games that are from Kickstarter that aren't from AAA studios all have like this pixel art and it's like so so neon-y and everything is like whoosh and wash and ooh. I'm like, I don't really... I don't really care, and there was no nothing that I don't think there was anyone f- telling me to play this game mm. ever. So I was happy to know that you liked this game. Game went on sale, and then I was able to be like, you know what, this makes sense to just you know get it on the Switch, and make it a garbage game club game, and I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna burst the bubble up top, which I guess is what we normally do, right? Uh, I feel fine about it Mm. i feel completely and utterly fine and average and okay i feel like this is a game that is that is the epitome of something that i i waited to play that i'm happy i played but i didn't need to play and it was just like the epitome of okay you know what that's probably doing it discredit because i feel like we're in a society where okay is bad so like it's it's good okay, mm. but I'm not going to go back and be like, man, I can't wait to play Hyperlight Drifter again, and I'm probably not going to think about Hyperlight Drifter in the way that I've thought about, you know, like, Oprah Din or Slay the Spire or Holland. I, like, I'm not going to have it living in my mind. And if someone would ask me, like, hey, Joey, should I play Hyperlight Drifter? I've played it. I've been like, maybe. Mm. And that's that's just kind of the, the, the top line. Like, it was one of those games sat in a queue came off the queue for the podcast and it was fine. I I think I shared a very similar sentiment because like my history with the game is I think I saw it announced in like 2013 and as a small like Kickstarter project and just from the trailer alone um, and from the music alone, the caliber of the music, because at the time disaster piece was still relatively unknown disaster piece uh, who has, I guess started in the games industry with uh, Fez making the soundtrack for Fez, and then he went on to make the soundtrack for one of my favorite horror movies. It follows this indie game that kind of uh, was a uh, the trailer showcased Disaster Pieces music along with this interesting world. That that's what sold me on the game. I was like, oh, this looks like a cool world. I like the the robot mechs that are laying around. Like I'm into that. And so I backed the game at like the forty dollar level. I was like, ah, whatever. It's a lot more than I paid for. It, it it'll come out eventually. And then it it didn't end up coming out for like three years. And then um, I remember being in Europe for the first time when that the game came out. I was like, oh, it's finally out. I can't wait to go back home and play it. Fast forward, I finally did. And I think I left the game feeling a lot like what you just described. I felt like. Oh well, that was kind of cool, but like you know, it didn't really it didn't really stick with me. It was it was a game that I liked some of the things it did, but I think that a lot of the problems I had with it initially were a big turnoff. One of the biggest problems being not knowing where to go. <laughs> but that said, upon replaying the game, because it was a game that. I feel like I didn't really need to replay for Garbage Game Club, but then I was just like, oh, well, I, I want to be familiar with like the moment-to-moment stuff, the the just the four major areas that are in the game and just kind of understand what the game does. And so I played it again, not really expecting to finish it in time for the podcast. And then I finished it because, one, it's a short game, and two, 
I found myself a lot more endeared by it. And after further reflection, I think Hyperlight Drifter, it has some serious problems that I think keep it from being a great game. But there's a lot of sensibilities in this game that if I were to go on and make my own game, it is a game in the vein of something that I would strive to make. It is something that is trying to do the things that interest me as a player. And I would hope to achieve something as good as this, especially for my first venture into the gaming industry, like it was for the team behind Heart Machine. What does it do that that gives it those qualities for you? Oh, well, well, the big thing for me in games like this, the, the big draw for this game was that it felt like a Zelda game to some extent without any of like the item collection. It just felt like I was exploring a world. And whenever I'm playing a game, the thing that really gets me going is an interesting world along with some of the obfuscated narrative. I love it when games don't tell me what the game's about. Yeah, that, because you're weird. That's just like my jam. But it, it's just, it's striking the same nerve as something like Dark Souls, where there's an inherently interesting world. I don't understand how it works. I don't understand why things are the way they are. But upon exploring the world and being an active participant in trying to understand it, is that it is where the reward lies for someone like me. I realize there's something unfair for me about to make a comparison between Hyper Light Drifter and literally Dark Souls, which I would describe as one of the best video games ever made, full stop, mm-hmm. is uh, that there's a lot more uh, time and money put into Dark Souls to make it the way it is. But also, you know, playing Dark Souls, a cryptic world, uh, got me to a certain point where I wanted to go on the internet and look stuff up and ask questions and just kind of see what I could pull out of it because of my own curiosity, right? Mm-hmm. Hyperlight Drifter, I'll have you know that I, without hesitation, skipped over every picture and story element and everything that was going on. I'm just like, give me that combat, baby. Where's the boss? Well, I think that I think this game really does showcase what kind of a player you are. I think there's two types of players, and this is something that was kind of like after beating the game again and like trying to to lob my own theories about what the game was about and what happened to this world. I went on the subreddit and I was looking around, and someone pointed out this game reveals what kind of player you are. That you're either an active player or a passive player, whereas an uh, an active player likes to actively seek out the elements that are being hidden. Um, just by design from the developers and the storytellers. And mm-hmm. the, basically the idea is it's up to you to figure out what's actually happening if you want, which I appreciate. It's not something that's force-fed to you. And then there's passive players, players who usually don't go out of their way to try and understand a story. They're used to just having the story presented to them and then them doing the different challenges that necessitate the game and then ultimately the game ends and then they feel pretty satisfied because they were told a story that might be simple but it still satisfies it checks that box that there was a story here if i would have liked hyperlight drifter more and again i don't want to i don't want to feel too negative about it because i don't think hyperlight drifter is a bad game i think it's like a like a like a good game that leans to average like if you're looking at a bell curve it's just a little bit to the good side of the median yeah. It's just 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 a little bit for me. And like I know that I would have liked this game more if I would have felt the need to collect all of the little purple Doritos that <laughs> were in the game because like there was a certain point where like I realized, "Oh, there's 8 in an area. I need 4." 
and to defeat the boss. Well, that's the thing that's interesting, though, because there's not really anything you get for those. You get, like, items and stuff. You get new drifter outfits that each have their own, like, you know, this outfit charges your grenade a little bit faster. This one charges your gun a little bit faster. But there's no story elements hidden behind I, I don't need a story element though you just if, want if, more if, if i felt that it would have been uh engaging to seek out the other ones because i probably only played you know i got uh what, what do you need you need 16 i think i had like 20 there's a world where knowing myself if i would have liked this game more mm. i would have gotten all of them i would yeah, have gotten all 32 fair. but i didn't and i felt no need to and that's the difference between like when i'm playing breath of the wild there's a point where I'm going to go into every shrine yeah. and beat it. When I'm playing Hollow Knight, I'm going to make sure that I get every charm. Like there, There's games that compel me enough because I enjoy my time with them that I feel a, a completionist sense. And I feel like that also kind of elevates the game into like an upper echelon of games that I really enjoy. I mean, I just referenced two of them, which are very crazy, very good. Um, but but Hyper Light Drifter, I'm just like, okay, I'm just going to finish this game and check it off my list. And that's what I did. And I had a pretty good time playing it. Uh, I realized there was content that was hidden. It makes it pretty obvious. Like, oh, hey, like these doors unlock if you get more pieces. Or, oh, hey, like mm. you can see your inventory has like missing slots for weapons you don't have. But uh, once I got the shotgun, I'm like, do I need any more weapons? <laughs> the answer is no. Well, I, I think you touched on something like the your need to or your, I guess, your not needing to explore every facet of the world and collect everything kind of lies with one of the biggest problems I have with the game is that despite the combat feeling pretty good, like I like that the combat is kind of arena-y and I like that you have to be good at dodging, you have to be good at managing your enemy like distanced from the enemies and kind of closing in, understanding how combos work. I like that, but ultimately it feels pretty shallow and I think that's just because there's not enough variety. Sure, you get multiple guns, but I think something that stops this from being something like Hollow Knight is that you don't have as many abilities, you don't have as many weapons that behave differently. We're kind of comparing like apples to different apples that are still kind of apples. We're, we're comparing apples to crab apples. There we go. Like, I mean, they're, they're, they're similar enough to make that comparison, but it just still feels a little disingenuous to be like, you well, know. That, well, I mean, that's my problem with something that's a Zelda-like to some extent. The problem I had with the, the Zelda series for the longest time is that Every item that you got in the game was something designed by the game to say like, hey, in order to get to C, you have to get item B. And then once you're in area C, you have to get item C to get to area D. That's not interesting to me. Like it's fun because, you know, it's a tool. It's a new thing I can use. But the thing that really de-incentivizes de exploration, especially in the 3D era Zelda games, is that there's nothing worth getting. You get a piece of heart. Or you get a new bottle. But those don't fundamentally change the gameplay in any interesting ways. I don't get new abilities. I don't get the ability to fly. I don't get the ability to swing around with a, a hook shot or something like that. I always like games that reward exploration with new weapons and new items that change the way you navigate the world. That change the way you interact with the world on a moment-to-moment -moment basis. Not just in area C, use item B. 
And Hyper Life Drifter only gets halfway there. Well, Hyper Life Drifter doesn't do that, really. You you do get... It's the formula you get of... You items. You get item B in area B that you end up using in area C, which is fine. But there's nothing that changes the gameplay in any interesting ways. And I think that that's something... I don't know if you need to change the gameplay. Like, the gameplay is pretty solid combat But wise. But I feel like the lack of reason to explore is coupled with that. Like, you, you get rewards by way of... New new drifter outfits but they don't really change the game in any interesting way therefore i have no interest in trying to find them like so I th- it sounds like you're complaining sorry it sounds like you're complaining that like you want the game to have more scope which i don't know if that's really fair considering what it is well i think well i i, I don't disagree that i might be being a little bit unfair but my issue is that I feel like there's no reward for exploration outside of the ability to upgrade my character in just minor ways because pretty pretty quickly you can kind of max out your character. Would it be better if they didn't have it because it's like they get halfway there but they don't go all the way so like you get the idea of like oh there could be more but maybe if you focused on having not having those minor upgrades and like just had core combat then it would have you would have had like that glimmer of like what it could have been possibly and i do also think that it kind of lies somewhere in the obfuscated narrative that the game's trying to present to you like there are these monoliths that you can find and uncover and you see like a hologram of a previous drifter then you see a language that pops up and if you try hard enough you can actually decode what the language is and get a little bit of lore but still pretty obfuscated and i think that if you have, give me a reason to explore, whether it be um, something that changes gameplay or just storytelling elements, something to, to hook me outside of the areas looking very pretty. That, that's something like, you know, again, it's unfair to compare it to something like Breath of the Wild or Dark Souls, but I always felt like I was a part of a new story whenever I explored something in Breath of the Wild. Like I was uncovering a hidden alcove that you can kind of, through narrative storytelling, like, or through uh, environmental storytelling, kind of piece together what happened. And I think that's something Hyperlight Drifter does well, but because it's so obfuscated, I feel like I have a hard time pulling it together cohesively and, and tying all the dots together and forming an overall narrative. I'm a fan of the way that Hyperlight Drifter lays out their map. And the way that you kind of start in the center and it's kind of clear to you that there's oh, four yeah. regions with four different bosses and four different keys to unlock. And then you can kind of just go to whichever one you want and do them in any order you want. And some might help you with the other ones based on like order of operations. And I'm sure there's an optimal way of which way to go. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, that doesn't really matter. I started walking west first just because, I mean west coast best coast but aside from that like i I I do think the game locks you into specific areas because in the town square uh every entrance north south west or east there's triangles that dictate you need to go this direction first to unlock the blocks that basically serve as a gate so you do have to go west first then you have to go north i don't think you have to go west first i'm pretty sure you do because no other area is accessible because of blocks there might be a way around it, but I'm pretty sure you have to go west first. I recall watching a speedrun at an AGDQ a while ago, and I know that they started north. They might have broken the game somehow. That's entirely possible. <laughs> because this game, is, which is something that I do enjoy about it, the game is very good at like geometry-based like uh, gaming the system. 
the way that you do in something like Skyrim where you can get up a mountain if you just mash the jump button fast enough while choosing the right angle. I like that Hyper Light Drifter allows you to kind of dash to these little ledges and kind of like, oh, can I? I don't want to go this way because I feel like there might be a treasure here, but you also like, oh, there's no treasure, but I just got where I wanted to go much faster. I like that the game kind of facilitates that. It doesn't lock anywhere off, really. Yeah, the I had trouble uh, mechanically getting to some areas because when you upgrade, I feel like there's upgrades that are necessary that you're getting with your little bits. Like you need to get like you know the dash, more the more more health or multi. You need multi dash 100, percent but like careful with that microphone. Like like more health and other stuff that's that's just helpful. But it took me forever to figure out how to use the multi dash properly. Oh, dude. Yeah, same. I was in the same boat the first time I played, but once it clicked for me, then I did the challenge arena thing where you just, the where you go to upgrade your movement thing. And then I think my record is like 350. You have to do it 800 times in a row to get like the, the, the key that's there. If you do it 100 times, you get just a bit upgrade, but if you have to do it 800 times in a row. I, I could, I've never... I never did it enough to like drain my stamina bar. Like I think the most I ever got to do was like six or seven. And I never like really figured out the right timing. And I tried. And I'm like, what am I doing wrong? Because <laughs> like the prompt is like dash plus dash. And I'm like, okay, double click. Okay, that's not working. Do I hit it at the start of it? Do I hit it before I end the second one? Do I hit it on like a frame where I'm going to be stopping my dash? Like You have to do it to the pace of like 250 BPMs. So do Yeah, there there could have been some way to tutorialize it better because I got to a certain point where I'm like, I just don't know. Like I it's been a long time since I've played a game and I've been like, I'm not using this mechanic properly just because I don't know how to do it. Well, that's the thing though. You don't you don't actually need the multi-dash to proceed in the game. It makes things easier. But you don't need it. And that's a thing that I do like. I like that there are mechanics in the game that are unexplained. I like that it makes you experiment in order to figure things out. That's very, like, original Shadow of the Colossus as opposed to the remake. Um, And, um, like, Breath of the Wild. You can experiment with the tools, which I appreciate. Um, But one of the other biggest problems I had with the game when I first played it, and still to some extent, and I think this is my only real criticism of the game, like, is the the game is so pretty the game is gorgeous to look at it has um you you said it falls into the territory of like that indie game aesthetic where it all looks neon-y and pretty but not a lot of indie games go for this kind of fidelity where you are working with like a 32-bit palette as opposed to something like a Mm 16-bit and um the it's it's like isometric ish perspective harkens back to something like chrono trigger as opposed to link to the past and I think it, it it works very well for making the world feel big. But the biggest problem, I think that so much time went into art direction for the game that it that the game has a hard time signposting where you need to go uh, because everything all looks kind of the same and it all looks like it would in a, if I were to be transported into that world. The world makes sense cohesively. It's like, oh, yeah, that belongs there. That belongs over there. But from a game perspective... I don't really know where you need me to go as the player. Yeah, there's a lot of getting lost. And I I feel like I, I got lucky a lot of times stumbling around. I had the hardest time in my first area in the western area. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, 
Wait, here's the boss. Oh, no, I'm here early. Oh, I need to find more things. Oh, but have I been over here? But how do I get back <laughs> over here? But how can I see the map at the same time with the underground map? Or do yeah. I even need to go to the underground? It's like, uh, there, there was a little bit of trial and error that was a little frustrating, but not uh, too much. Like, I got over it pretty quickly. Yeah. So... I was I, I agree that I feel like that has to be one of the most common criticisms of the game is it's like, what am I doing? Because we're also pretty uh I don't know, what do you what do you want to call it? Like advanced gamers. We're literate. We we have a lot of game literacy from yeah. all of the stuff we've played. And probably a lot of people listening to this do too, so yeah. they might not have problems. But I imagine that hyper if I gave Hyperlight Drifter to someone who doesn't play a ton of games, it can probably be incredibly frustrating to them. And I don't think that's good. Well, I, I think, like, I can get lost in a game like Hollow Knight, in a game like Chrono Trigger, but I think the way, or not Chrono Trigger, um, Hollow Knight or Dark Souls, but I think that the way those games are designed is, it feels different. I feel like a lot of areas in Hollow Knight or Dark Souls are connected in a way this game's not. And by disconnecting the world so much, it feels like it's harder to navigate because it really does feel like there is only one way to get to where you need to go. Whereas the other games, it feels like there's multiple paths to some extent. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I will wind up in my final destination, even though I might have taken, you know, a, a detour. And I think that might be too. I think this game might work a little bit better. And again, it feels unfair because I'm I'm criticizing a game for something that it doesn't have. Is that like I feel like if it had that connectivity of something like Dark Souls or Hollow Knight? Yeah, it just feels to me like it's back to the same thing that like you wish that Hyperlight was a game that just had more time and more budget to be a better game because it, it like all these problems come from like either personnel yeah. constraints or time constraints or money constraints. Like there was a seed of something there and you want it to be better and you're like upset that it isn't better. And I think that's fair. It's, it's both fair and unfair. Yeah, no, I completely agree. But I think that's why I feel so weird about like so adamant that it could be better is because I think this game is on the precipice of perfection. I think there's a core element that the team at Heart Machine have found that works and it had they had more time, more budget... I think they could truly refine this this uh, this piece of coal into a diamond. I think truly Pretty good piece of coal. I mean, a lot of people like the game. Oh yeah, no, I think it's I think it's a great game. I really do think it's good. But I I think that had it more time to bake, had it maybe a larger team, I think you could get something that is a Breath of the Wild. I think you can get something that is a Hollow Knight, and I think that that kernel that seed has been planted and they do have a new game on the works that is supposed to be a sequel to this called solar ash kingdom and it feels very much like hollow knight sounds like someone went to a name generator <laughs> it's like can you give me some vaguely sounding video game words and and i hope that they learn from the success uh the successes of hyperlight drifter but also the flaws of it and see like okay this is where we might have faltered a little bit but how could we not falter in these areas where it could be better it's not, I'm not trying to be like, I'm not trying to deconstruct them. I'm not trying to be like uh, unhelpful criticism. I'm trying to, I, I have my producer hat on and I'm like, how can I break down what doesn't work and how can we fix it to make something that is truly unlike anything else? And I think that if you have something like that, if you've made something where you're like, oh, this is close to, to greatness, then you should pat yourself on the back because you made something that's special. 
And I think that this game is special. Yeah, that's probably why it like has so much staying power too. Like, I mean, it's always people are excited when it's on sale. People keep on buying it. Like, it, it's one of those things that has kind of has some staying power. Yeah. Um. So like, there's a seed there that got people pretty inspired, and and it's cool. And I mean, the boss fights are fun. Yeah, they're hard too. The game's hard. The game's pretty hard. I only struggled on some of the boss fights. Like like the final boss I died a couple times. The the snow boss I died a couple times. The bird one. The bird one was the easiest one. I think I one I one shot the bird one. And I one shot the uh, the frog one. But the frog one I cheesed. No, you cheesed. The fir- I thought the first one, the one in the west, is the easiest. And I think they do get. I think they do a good job of getting it a little bit harder and harder. But the thing that I found the most fun is if you do find enough keys to open those doors, uh, or if you do collect all of the um, like monogram pieces. Uh, you get access to challenge arenas where you get like rewarded an item or a bit upgrade. And those challenge arenas are very fun because they're hard. And they're hard in a way of like someone's like, okay, this enemy attacks in this pattern. What is the most difficult way I can have 80 of these enemies attack you at once? And how can a player deal with them if they're smart enough? Like I, this game feels like, this feels like a weird thing to say. This feels like a game meant for people who are game literate they feel like they are smart when it comes to video games get on my my uppity ivory tower of what makes a game good well i just think i appreciate that it is appealing to someone who has played every zelda game who has played every metroidvania game and i like that there's that kind of challenge um and i do like that the game has the audacity to have a story that is open to interpretation in a way that something like dark souls or hollow knight is not Dark Souls or Hollow Knight have a story. And for the most part, a lot of people online, whether it be your Vati Vidya or the dude who wrote the Pale Blood Hunt Bible for Bloodborne, for the most part, people have kind of figured out what these games are about and the world. There's some stuff that's open to interpretation, sure. But uh, Hyper Light Drifter, there is not one agreed upon consensus of what this game is about. A lot of people are still arguing about what the game is about, and each one has which is cool. completely different readings, which I love because that means no one is wrong, and it's entertaining every single idea that you think of when you play because it's not wrong, and I really, really like that. And I like that a game has the audacity to let your imagination fill in the gaps and to have the points to make your imagination make sense. Like, that's cool. That's really cool. Yeah, I I appreciate a lot of what they were trying to do. Mm. But like kind of like what I said at the top, I don't think I'm going to be thinking about Hyperlight Drifter in 6 months. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to see if they manage to I I'm curious to see if they make the game that I think that they wanted to make. If they even if they do, sequel. like I don't know if that's going to be like a day one thing for me. It'll be like a, you know, that might be something that just sits on a on a wish list again or like you'll play then I'll be like, "Nick, should I play this?" and then you'll probably be like, "Yeah," then I'll be like, "Okay," and then I'll then I'll play it eventually. Or maybe I'll be so bored because there's like what, no video games slated to release in the next 3 months that I'll play something. Yeah. Eventually. Dude, I want to play GTFO. I feel like that game's going to be fun. I want to play anything new. I'm playing Final Fantasy right now. Spoiler, we're going to do a podcast on it. It's not the next one, though, but maybe. But, Joey, what is the next podcast? The next podcast, the next podcast is something that I think that we have uh, gone back and forth on for almost playing for, like, a year now. (laughs) And we're finally pulling the trigger 
and saying, hey, this is the game. And the game that we are picking, I'm giving you time because maybe someone's guessing. They're like taking a walk or then their car and they're like, oh, duh, they're going to do this finally. And if you said Hitman 2, congratulations, because we're finally going to do it. Um, it's on sale right now at time of release, I think. So you can get it super cheap. And I, I've i started to play Hitman 1 and Hitman 2. Mm-hmm. I feel pretty good about it. I know Nick's played like half of it. He's going to play more of it too. So we're going to go through. It, it's a little bit weird. It'll be interesting how we do it since like Hitman, like I'm sure we'll talk about it the show, but like it's not like a game. It's like a series of vignettes almost. So it's It feels like the ultimate puzzle game. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm excited to finally get to talk about Hitman 2. Uh, yeah, so you should you should play it or play some of it. And by Hitman Two, I do mean Hitman Two 2019. Hitman Two uh, Silent Assassin, right? The the PS2 game. Is it 2018 or 19? We're playing the the PS. No, we're not playing the PS2. Hit, the original Hitman is the um, season Hitman. It's a hit, season one was in 2016, and Hitman Two was 2018. 18, 2018. 18 with an expansion pass that went into 2019 we will be playing the gold edition and um it's so confusing we're playing hitman 2 the one that's new (laughs) but also you can play hitman 2016 in hitman 2 we'll talk about that (laughs) we can't get in so there you have it that is the next game on the garbage game club if you are listening to this on your free loading feeds consider leaving us a five-star review still gotta update those I will try and download them all right now for you. Um, But if you want to listen to this when they drop, consider backing us over on patreon.com slash cybergarbage at the $5 tier. Not only will you get access to this podcast, but you will also get access to Joey Hates Movies, which is a movie club version of this podcast. We haven't done it a bit because we are in quarantine and one of our co-hosts is not here. Yeah. We can do this podcast because we live together still. But the other yeah. one, uh, yeah, Coral live with us. She'd probably hate us. Or we'd hate her. She'd probably hate us. No, we might hate her. I don't know. Maybe. Who's to say? Who's to say? She'd hate Nick. No, I'd be great. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for joining us. And until next time, get that piano Sci-fi. wire ready. Oh, like we really fucked that up. That's okay. That's okay. That's fine. You can, you can, fix, you can fix that in post. No. No.